The gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew's gospel beginning in the 22nd chapter at the 15th verse. Matthew wrote these things. Now that's when the Pharisees plotted a way to trap him into saying something damaging. So they sent their disciples with a few of Herod's followers mixed in to ask, Teacher, we know you have integrity. Teach the way of God accurately. Are indifferent to popular opinion. And don't pander to your students. So tell us honestly, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus knew that they were up to no good. He said, why are you playing these games with me? Why are you trying to trap me? Do you have a coin? Let me see it. So they handed him a silver piece. This engraving, who does it look like and whose name is on it? They said, Caesar. Well, then give Caesar what is his and give God what is his. And the Pharisees were speechless and they went off shaking their heads. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord, we know the power of God in us. We can see it in our faces. Those faces remind us of God's love for us. So teach us to see the world as you do. Surprise us with the wonders that you see. And allow us to continue to see where you have been. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. You know, life just doesn't stand still. It can crawl along sometimes and seem to take forever just to get through one day. Or it can zip past us and before you know it, a whole year has gone by once again. It can torture us with opportunities we just know are never going to come our way again. Or present puzzles before us about which path it is that we should take. But life just never stands still. Well, you know, I have to believe that Moses felt much the same way about how his life had gone up until this point in the Moses story. You see, Moses had actually been through more stuff than most people could take. Going all the way back to the burning bush and God's unlikely call to go back to Egypt and lead God's people up out of there. Moses had gotten a crash course on hardship, on disappointment and frustration. You see, plague after plague, Moses would get his hopes up that Pharaoh would finally let his people go, only to have those hopes come crashing down every time Pharaoh changed his mind. And when they finally did get out of Egypt and through the sea, they walked out into the wilderness. Well, you know the story. They ran out of food. They ran out of water. They ran out of patience. And still through it all, God provided. God provided manna. God provided water from a rock. A cloud of presence 
followed them wherever they went as a sign of God's continued presence with God's people. And the people, they could easily see the signs of God all around them, the cloud, the manna, the water, the quail. And still, when Moses wasn't right there with them, when he went away to spend some time with God on Sinai, they just lost it. In a moment of weakness, they went to Aaron and they asked him to make them gods. And these were the same people who were supposed to be a blessing to the rest of the world. And they just couldn't handle it. So when Moses most needed them to be strong, they just couldn't do it. And after all of that, it seems to me that Moses might just have had enough. After all that he had been through from burning bush to Pharaoh to Aaron and these stupid idols and these stiff-necked people, he seems to be just about done with it all. And in the scene right before today's reading, which Michael did so well, God is talking, Moses is talking with God after the golden calf controversy. And Moses confesses the sin of the people and asks God to let him make atonement. And in despair, it seems, Moses says to God, but now, if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, just go ahead and blot me out of that book you've written. If the sin of the people is too great to be forgiven, Moses says he doesn't want to be a part of this story. After everything that he has helped to accomplish, he would just as soon be blotted out of the whole rotten thing if the people's sins were too great for God to forgive. And it's right in the middle of this little spiritual dip that God calls Moses once again to get up and get going. And I'm quite certain that Moses is wondering how he can keep on going because it would seem that he isn't sure that he wants to. You see, they can't really go back because that would mean going back into Egypt. And they just can't stay put because they are literally in the middle of nowhere. The only thing they can do is to just keep moving forward. So despite all of the anger, all of the frustration, the disappointment, Moses really has no choice but to continue to lead the people where God is sending them. But before he agrees to move again, Moses wants to know one thing. Is God really on this journey? He wants some reassurance that God is going with them. He just wants to see that God is going along on this long and painful trip. And I think what God does next is just pure grace. You see, Moses is allowed to see God's backside. Now, whatever it is that Moses actually saw, he got enough of God's presence to keep on going. God's backside was enough presence, enough glory, enough contact with God that Moses became convinced that God was with him, but even more than that, God moved before him. You see, Moses wasn't certain 
what the future held. But he knew that God was in it because all he saw, all we ever see, really, is where God just was. Now, we don't know what the future holds for us. Whatever your past was like, you can't go back. Life just won't stay put. The only way we can go is forward, really, into uncertainty. So what's over the next horizon for our health, for our family, for our finances, for world events, for crying out loud? Maybe something from our past drags us down. We may become afraid to face the future because our past has really been pretty painful. But life still pushes us forward even when and if we aren't ready. And it's not just in our personal lives, but in our corporate lives as well. The church does its ministry not really knowing what the future holds. We aren't ever promised that everything will go the way we want it to go. We face challenges, surprises, pain, disappointment, and out-and-out difficulties. We face tasks that seem too big for us. We may say, like Moses, that if we are to keep going, we just want to know that God is with us. If life is painful and we can't get the pain to go away, we at least want the assurance that God is with us. And this little story with God hiding Moses in the cleft of a rock and covering his eyes so that Moses can only see God's backside lets us know that we will likely never get a full-on vision of God. We don't see God directly, face to face, so to speak. There's a mystery about God that is always before us. Even in that mystery, though, God does reach out to us. We can experience God's presence, even if it seems a fleeting glimpse. We may experience God's presence in a feeling of assurance after prayer. We might experience it as a feeling of power and energy when we stand up to social injustice. And sometimes, we might just feel God's love breaking through our loneliness and fear. And God's presence may be fleeting at times, but it's real. And with that glimpse of God's backside, we can keep putting one foot in front of the other on our life's journey. We can face the future with courage because we know that God precedes us into it. All we ever get to see is where God has just been. And that is always more than enough. So on the second of our Stewardship Sundays, Jesus says, Give to Caesar what is his, and give to God the things that are God's. Give the coin to Caesar, because it bears his image. For that reason, it belongs to him. But what does one give God? What belongs to God? Well, that which belongs to God bears God's image. 
But what bears the image of God? Way back in the beginning in Genesis, we are told that God said, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. So God created human beings. God created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. So my friends, think of yourself as a coin. The image of God's kingdom. If we are commanded to give to God the things that are God's, we must conclude that there is no limit to what we owe God. For we owe God our whole being. For we are created in God's image. God owns it all, including each and every one of us. So privileged to have a view of God's back, we can walk confidently into the future to eventually give God back our very selves. And by doing so, as we make our way through this side of life, we are only ever giving to God the things that are already God's. So God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to love the kingdom into being. Amen.